Welcome to the Living Rock Podcast. Today, I want to talk about the bread and the wine, or communion, or the believer's meal. There's different names for it, but it's, it's the same. Um, it's an act of worship that Jesus instigated just before his death. As such, it is something that is to be shared by believers. That's anyone who has asked Jesus into their heart to be their saviour, a, a, a believer, a, a, a Christian. And, and this is the meal that we can share with each other and, and, and do it remembering that. Yeah. Yeah. Now, th- th- this is a word that's been developing in, in my heart for a while. And then at the beginning of the year, early January, I, I said to Richard Jones that I'd got the word I wanted to bring. And this is the date he chose. Uh, and it's just fantastic that it's the same day that Lorraine got baptised, that two of my granddaughters got dedicated. It's just, yeah, it's wonderful, yes, yeah. Um, uh, but also, with sharing about this Believer's Meal, I want to share about a testimony that I have particularly about taking the bread and wine. Um, some of you remember some years back, I, I was taken quite ill, uh, and, and this illness went on and on. Um, and taking the bread and wine actually uh, has a major part in that testimony of I was ill, but now I'm well. So I, I don't want to go into detail about the illness. I don't want to talk about that particularly. But for those that don't know, uh, I had a, a, a series of things. And once those symptoms have been dealt with, I, I was left with fatigue. I could not do things that I normally had been doing. On, on a Sunday morning, I could stand or I could sing. If I was singing, I didn't have the energy to stand. If I was standing, I didn't have the energy to sing. So if I wanted to sing, I had to sit. I felt like a, an old man of 80 or 90, you, you know, it was, yeah. Uh, walking 100 yards or so some days was a major challenge for me. Um, I've, I've got a physical job, I work in a garage fixing cars. There were, there were days when I just couldn't do that. And I was having to look at sell my business because I just couldn't do it. I, I just was physically unable to do the work that I needed uh, to, to carry on my business. Um, the doctors went to the doctors, sent up hospital tests, various hospitals, um, and had all sorts of tests run on me. Uh, and the, the doctors could not find what the problem was. They, they agreed there was a problem, but they couldn't find the, the problem. They couldn't get to the root of it. I had, I had the elders praying for me. I had my life group praying for me. I had friends praying for me. I had my family praying for me. And I, I tell you, what, when you've got people like that praying for you, things should be happening. Yeah. But I was still unwell. Stephen Peake, a good friend of mine, he sent me a, a, a YouTube clip, and it was about... The, the power of healing in taking the bread and the wine. And I, I watched this YouTube clip, and actually, it didn't do anything to me. It didn't say anything to me. It didn't touch me. It didn't, you know. A few months later, uh, Luke and Judith came up to me Sunday morning and said, we feel God's got a word for you. We feel that you should be taking the bread and the wine. Well, actually, that just, you know, uh, because physically, emotionally, and spiritually, I was a wreck. Uh, Frankie said about not being able to have the faith and I I was in that place I was struggling to summon up any faith or any energy in my spirit to 
to hold on to these things, to hold on to things that I should have known were truths, but I, I, I didn't have that in me. A few months later, after Luke and Judith had spoken to me, had Linda and Michael come up to me. This was about Christmas time. And they said, we feel God's got a word for you. Yeah, you've guessed. <laughs> we, we feel that you should be taking the bread and wine more. And then e- e- even my you know, slow thinking started catching on to something. God was trying to tell me something. God had got a message for me that actually I should be listening to God on this. You know, it was sinking in. It was getting through to me. So, so Ruth and I started taking the bread and wine every morning. And uh, so this was about Christmas time that Luke, um, Linda and Michael uh, brought a word that finally got through to me. And within days, so, so I'd, I'd been ill for a, a number of years by this point, but within days I started feeling a light in my spirit. My spirit was starting to become alive. My faith was rising up. And um, uh, the, the life group I went to, uh, the first one we met, so the first life group meeting that, that year in, in January, I, I asked if we could lead it, and we took the bread and the wine, and I said, right, this is why I wanted to lead it, this is why I want to take the bread and the wine, because God has brought this word to me, that we should be taking the bread and the wine regularly, yeah. that, that Ruth and I should be doing this as a regular thing. Yeah. And we started doing it daily, and then I declared... I made a declaration that first Thursday of that year that that year I was going to get healed. Physically, I was the same. I was still full of fatigue. I still couldn't do the things I wanted to do. 100 yards was difficult and, uh, and, and everything. But in my heart, in my spirit, a faith was rising. And I knew that that healing was on the way. And I knew that I had to make a declaration before others that that healing was on the way. Uh, And I didn't have an instantaneous healing. It didn't come like that or anything. But gradually, I was feeling stronger. Gradually, I was feeling better. Gradually, I was feeling, yes. Moving on a few months uh, in May of that year, so it's January, I was physically a wreck. In May, Ruth and I took the caravan up to Lake District because it's a fantastic place to be. You know, you get up every morning, you look out, you see the mountains and the lakes. God is good. But uh, I, was, I was feeling pretty good myself. And uh, feeling so good, actually, we went for a walk. Now, this walk took us up Helvellyn. <laughs> you know, one of the highest peaks in England. And we, and we, we just happened to walk up it. Now, for those of you that know Helvellyn, you'll know there is no easy walk up Helvellyn. But I decided that I would take Ruth up Striding Edge. <laughs> now, those of you that don't know, Striding Edge is not a walk. It's a bit of a climb and a scramble. And it's, it, it was a challenge for me when I was 18. Never mind when I was in my early 50s and had just, you know, not been able to do anything for a few years. Uh, and there, there, there I was standing on the top of Helvellyn, looking around, and I could see... I was looking down on all these other mountains and the lakes and everything. I put my arms out like that, and I could feel the wind, because there's always a wind on Helvellyn. I could feel this wind under my arms. I thought, oh, thank you, God. Thank you, Father. This is proof of my healing. And a verse came back to me. 
Somebody brought a verse to me early on in my illness, and it was Isaiah 40, uh, right at the end. Those who seek the Lord, those who wait on the Lord, shall renew their strength and rise up like on eagles' wings. And there I was standing there, feeling like my arms were eagles' wings, and the wind was about to lift me up. And I just stood there for ages, and I just, oh, you know, this is proof of my healing. In fact, I was standing on top of the world with my arms outstretched, feeling like an eagle. It was, that, that was the proof of my healing. But then, after that, I started wondering. I had the elders praying for me. They, they, they gathered and laid hands on me numerous times and prayed for me. All my friends praying, the life group praying, my family praying for me. But the healing didn't come. The healing only came when I started taking the bread and the wine regularly. So my questioning started. What was the difference? Why did me taking the bread and the wine bring about the healing that didn't come when all these people of faith were praying? And yes, it was me being obedient to God, but what more was there to this simple act that brought about this healing? So I'm here now, I'm, you know, a few years later, I'm healthy, I'm active, I've still got the garage, still getting involved physically. I now stand and sing God's praise at the top of my voice. Sorry, Sadie, you're right in front of me, you know. But <laughs> uh, and enjoying the healing that, that I've received. Uh, in, in the Bible, in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24, we're told that on the cross, Jesus personally carried our sins, that he fulfilled the prophecy in Isaiah, that by his wounds we are healed. There is healing for us in Jesus' suffering and death. I've personally received some of that healing. And I, and I received it through taking the bread and the wine, an act we carry out to remember his suffering and death. And I was asking why I received healing by doing this. What power is there in this simple act? It's a simple act, but there's such power there. And I was asking why. And, yeah, the, slowly but surely, the, the, the more I carried out this act of obedience, strength returned to my body. So I've come to a point now where I've got a number of declarations that I believe every time we take the bread and the wine, we are making declarations. And Andrew's already spoken of being surrounded by the, the, uh, the, the angels, of the, um, the, the, the spiritual element that's around us. And I believe that we are making declarations in the heavenlies. We are making declarations in the spiritual realms that, that this physical act is shouting out things in the heavenlies that, that we don't fully understand. I've, I've, I've got some declarations today that I'm going to uh, put up that I believe we are making uh, when we take this bread and this wine. It's not an exhaustive list. It's just where I am at the moment. And I, I've, I've done a top ten, and I've had to trim it down to be a top ten. You know, so... What, what I'm going to say is not the be-all and end-all, it's just a taster. And I now believe that every time we share in this believer's meal, every time Ruth and I take this believer's meal, we are making these declarations, and we are making declarations more than you're going to see this morning. Now, I'm not saying, do this, and that will happen. But what I'm saying, this happened to me. That through taking this, I received healing. Now, 
later on, um, after the bread and the wine, because uh, we, we had a word from Andrew earlier this morning that, that there's going to be healing this morning. Yeah. And I've already asked uh, Liz and Simon and Stefan and Diana uh, if after the meeting they'll be available at the back for anybody that wants to uh, give, give their life to Jesus. But I've also asked them now, if anybody wants healing, that after we've taken the bread and the wine, they can go and see them in the Connect area. And you can talk to them about Jesus, you can talk to them about uh, being healed or anything like that. Uh, or, or the elders or anybody on the frontier. But every time we take the bread and the wine, we are making declarations in the heavens, in the spiritual realm. We're making powerful statements, very powerful declarations, a physical act that has spiritual significance. In 1 Corinthians 11, verses 24 and 25, Jesus said to do this in remembrance of me. Now, Jesus knew what he was about to go through and what he was instructing us to do in remembrance of him. And it's not just for us to have a time of reflecting on his death and his suffering. That is important, but it goes way beyond that. It has a spiritual impact that can easily be overlooked by us. So... Here's my top ten declarations. Uh, And I say, it's a snapshot of where I am. And every time we see a declaration come up, if you agree, join in. Let let, let us know. I mean, Ruth said I needed to ask ask you to, to, uh, you you know, voice your agreement. I said, I don't need to do that. They'll do it anyway. But, you know, I've got to be obedient to my wife as well. so. (laughs) So if we can have the first declaration, please. Can, can you all see that? Yeah. Yes. I was a sinner and have been redeemed by Jesus' blood that was shed as he died for me on the cross. Amen. In Romans 3, verse 23, it says, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Now, everyone has done something wrong in their life. None of us measure up to God's requirements. Now, God doesn't do grades. We're all used to sitting exams and stuff. God doesn't do grades. He doesn't do pass, merit and distinction. He doesn't do grade one, two and three. It's pass or fail. And, and I recognise that I failed. I failed. There's no denying it. I fell short of God's glory. I needed saving. And on that cross, Jesus' body was broken and his blood, his blood was shed so that I could be forgiven. I could be redeemed. And I could be saved. Every time I take the bread and the wine, I declare that. Yes. Amen. Amen. Next one, please. I have been bought with a price. I am not my own. Amen. 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 1 Peter 1, verses 18 and 20. For you know God paid a ransom to save you, and it was not with mere gold or silver. So as a seven-year-old, I asked Jesus into my heart to become my saviour. Now, as a child, I didn't need to understand some complicated doctrines. All I needed to understand was that Jesus died so that I could be saved. Even as a child, I had an understanding of right and wrong and knew that I wasn't always good. I knew that I wasn't always right. And I could understand that his dying for me meant that I could be forgiven that I now had the promise of life, the promise of eternal life. As I got older, my thinking became more complicated, not necessarily for the better. But through it all, I just need to remember one simple fact, a fact that I was able to understand as a child. A price was paid for my life 
his life for my life. And again, that is a declaration that we make every time we share in this meal. Number three, please. I am looking forward to his return. Jesus, welcome back victorious. In 1 Corinthians 11, verse 26, every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. So in that, we have this very simple promise. Jesus will return. Jesus is coming back. He will return. In 1881, there's this chap, uh, Sir Robert Anderson, he wrote a book called The Coming Prince. And in that book, he says, when we partake of the Holy Communion, everything else drops out of sight. For that time, we focus only on what really matters. He then goes on to say, no past but the cross, no future but his coming. In taking the bread and the wine, I can be remembering the sacrifice that paid for my salvation, but also looking forward to his promised return. In the same act, and my future is his return. My past was the cross, my future is his return. Another declaration that I'm making every time. Number four, please. I am not fighting against flesh and blood. Ephesians 6 tells us, we are not fighting against flesh and blood, but against rulers and authorities of this unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, against evil spirits in the heavenly realms. This is why we need to appreciate that some of the things we do have spiritual implications. Some of the things we do have an effect on our spiritual life. Some of the things we say have an effect on us spiritually. Now, we we, we need to recognise that things we say affect us spiritually. If we make positive declarations, if we make declarations that this can change us spiritually, it can change the spiritual atmosphere that we operate in. We make declarations... Now, it's not positive thinking, it's not positive self-talking. It is actually recognising facts and stating these things. And, and by making these declarations, you, you are telling yourself the truth of them and you are declaring them in the heavenlies. And so, so, some of these, it shouts, I am a child of God. I have been ran- ransomed. I belong to God. The enemy has no hold on me. God has set me free. Yes. Number five, please. I am raising a banner. So if we accept there is a spiritual battle going on around us, then we are in the middle of it. And there is a battle going on for each and every one of us. When I take the bread and the wine, I am raising a banner or a battle standard, a symbol of God's kingdom. In times past, armies would have standard bearers and their role was to keep the banner raised. So in the, in the midst of the battle, they're holding on to this standard that was flying in the breeze so everybody could see where the standard bearer was. Their role was, uh, if the soldiers in the army got separated in battle, they'd be able to look and see where they were. And it was a sign that the king was still there on the battlefield. Yeah, yeah, right. The king was still alive. The king was still fighting. And every time I take the bread and the wine, I am raising that banner, that battle standard. I am declaring that I am in God's army, that we are victorious through the power of the cross. I am stating that I am in God's kingdom, and I am not part of this world. 
Number six, please. I am under God's authority. After Jesus had risen from the dead, just before ascending into heaven, he told his disciples in Matthew 28, verse 18, I have been given all authority in earth and on heaven. So I have received salvation through Jesus' death on the cross. He now has all authority, and that includes authority over me. Now, my older three children have all left and got their own homes now. And I'm their father, yeah. But I would never dream of barging into any of their homes and using my authority as their dad. I'll wait until I'm invited in. I'll wait until I'm offered a cup of tea. They make me feel welcome. Now, Jesus waited for me to invite him in. Jesus wants me to make him feel welcome in my life. He doesn't want to barge in, but he does know what's better for me. He has good plans for me. If only I will listen and do what he wants and do what he's asking of me. Now, I can choose to welcome that authority. I do choose to welcome that authority. I am under God's authority and I welcome that authority over me. Once I'm under his authority, I'm in his kingdom, I'm covered by his grace and his mercy. Number seven, please. I am a child of the Heavenly Father, the Almighty God. Now John 1, verse 12. But to all who believed and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. Now, I can still remember when that verse started to come alive to me, that I am a child of God. I have a right to be called the Son of God. Others of you will have the right to be called daughters of God, but we have a right to be called children of God. He has told us we've got that right. And I began to think what that means. Now, my mum married um, a chap called Bill, and... Um, he went off to France. He was uh, in a tank regiment. In 1945, my mum got a telegram saying that he was missing, presumed dead. A few months later, she gave birth to her first child, a daughter named Gabrielle, Gabrielle Bayliss. 1947, she remarried. She re- remarried my dad. And m- my dad adopted Gabrielle. So Gabriel Bayliss became Gabriel Favel. And this little girl's name changed. She grew up just as if she was dad's own daughter. She had the same treatment, same privileges and discipline as my other sisters and myself. She had the same share in the inheritance when they each passed away. There was no reason for anyone outside the family to know that Derek Favel wasn't her biological father. She lived with, ate with, and was provided for exactly the same way as if she was dad's daughter. In every respect, in every respect, Derek became her dad. Legally, she was dad's daughter. That is adoption. And I'm adopted into God's family. Yes. I now have his surname, if he has one. (laughs) I am, in every respect, his son. And I have the right to be called his son. He is my father. He's my dad. And I have a share in his inheritance, in his eternal kingdom. 
Number eight. I had no part in my redemption, in my salvation. It is the work of Jesus. Ephesians 2, verses 8 and 9. God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take the credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done. So none of us can boast about it. Lorraine was saying when she got baptised earlier that she was waiting until she felt right. And then she came to a realisation that actually that wasn't the way it's done. You become saved and then... And uh, when I began to understand this passage in Ephesians, I've been a Christian for a number of years, and then the realisation came and the impact was still powerful. No matter how good I've been, it isn't enough. It was God's grace that saved me. It was God's grace that saved Lorraine. It was God's grace that saved any one of us. It isn't down to me. It is up to God. The book of Ephesians goes on to say that I received this salvation, which is a gift of grace. I received this salvation by faith, and that even that faith was given to me by God. It's nothing to do with me. I had no part in it. Jesus did everything. Jesus died for me. It was Jesus' grace that saved me, and he gave me the faith to accept the grace that he, he died for me. Well, you know, I had nothing to do with it. It was all Jesus, all Jesus, all Jesus. I have absolutely no part in my salvation beyond saying, yes, please, and I accept. Number nine. I am loved beyond measure. Possibly the best known of verses, John 3.16. For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only Son, so everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. So, yeah, Jesus came down, he lived a perfect life, and then he died the horrific death for us. And as I read the Bible from the start to the end, I cannot help but be struck that God planned my salvation from the beginning. Right in the early chapters of Genesis, the promise of salvation is made. And then in the last book, so we have it in Genesis, and then in Revelation, in the, in the last book of the Bible, in Revelation 13, verse 8, we're told that Jesus is the Lamb that was slain before the foundations of the world. Jesus living and dying for me was not an afterthought. It was part of God's plan. As soon as Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, God knew he had a plan for salvation. It's not an afterthought. Number 10. I am worshipping every time I take the bread and wine. When I take the bread and the wine, I'm lifting up the name of Jesus and honouring him in my life. When we live as Christians for Jesus, every part of our life should be considered worship. Every time we do something because we believe that Jesus is our saviour, is worship. Yes, it's singing songs, it's praising, it's, it's all that we've been doing so far. But worship goes beyond that. When we tell others that Jesus loves them, when we help someone because of Jesus' love in our heart, that is worship. Even when I'm out in the car park in the pouring rain or the glorious sunshine, 
I'm serving God because I'm serving his people. How much more so when I'm taking the bread and the wine and I'm making these declarations that can be nothing but worship. I worship Jesus every time I do this. Now, these are ten of my declarations. I say there are more, but I've I've sort of narrowed it down. And uh, I'd encourage any of you to think of your own declarations to kickstart this thought process. What am I saying when I take this bread and this wine? And, and, and you will have different ones to me. This is just where I'm coming from at the moment. Thanks for joining us today. Search for us online and get information about upcoming events and more great teaching.